Hey, it's Metal Dave with you on another episode of Talk Louder. I'm joined, of course, by my co-host, Jason McMaster. Jason, how are you today? What up? I'm doing good. What up? So we've got a great show today. We're going to talk about paid meet and greets and what that has done to the concert industry, what that means to fans, what that means to bands, the pros and cons, uh, you know, I remember the day when you used to do, you used to be able to go to in stores where the band would wait for you at the uh, record store and sign autographs and that, that sort of free. thing. Take a photo. That was that was free. Yeah, yeah, and it was free exactly. And now, you know, you buy these VIP packages and they can get pretty expensive, and you get various things with depending on how much you pay. And uh, we're going to talk a little bit about how. Uh, how it used to be back in the day, I, I feel like it was a little more personal back in the day, and today it's kind of gotten to be part of the business end of it. I wanted to share something with you. Uh, my son, I, my 12-year-old son went to a record store with his mother yesterday and came home with a $10 copy of Hanoi Rocks. Oh, yeah. Two I love that record. Move. Yeah, and uh, I've wanted this album for a long time on vinyl, and uh, it used to be pretty hard to find, and if you could find it, it was very expensive, and now it's been uh, reissued, I've seen it, it's not as difficult to find anymore, but you pay, you know, $25, $35 for it now, because it's on 180 gram vinyl and that sort of thing, uh, but anyway, he found it for $10 in a bargain bin somewhere, and... Uh, there's proof right there that I'm raising my kid right because he knew dad would have to have it. <laughs> yeah, you so he brought metal, it home. The Metal Dad Award today. So yeah, yeah. Well, he brought it home and he was very excited to share it with me, and I was, you know, very excited to to get it. Of course, so I listened to that a few times last night, um, and uh, it's a great album. Uh, little trivia for you: um, Do you know who produced that album? I don't, but I think you're going to tell me. I am. Uh, you'll know this name, of course. Uh, Mr. Bob Ezrin produced Ooh, yeah. it. That's a whole nother show. We could do a whole yeah. show on Ezrin. Bob, of course, famous for his work with Kiss and Alice Cooper and probably many others that I'm forgetting right now. But uh, that's where I know his name. Uh, from the back of all those Kiss albums and uh, uh, Alice Cooper records. But anyway, he produced that Hanoi Rocks album, and of course it was the last album they ever did uh, before Razzle was killed. But um, great album, and especially made even greater because it was 10 bucks. So <laughs> happy to add it to my collection. Yeah, happy to have it. <laughs> We were going to discuss today uh, the pros and cons of paid meet and greets. Uh, that They've kind of become an industry standard over the past few years. Uh, some of our listeners may have uh, actually purchased them. Uh, kind of want to get your take on that, my take on that. And uh, so what are your thoughts on that initially, the whole paid meet and greet thing? I have... Um mixed feelings my knee-jerk reaction is to um have a negative feeling about them uh, um there's a lot of there's a lot to talk about on this subject because you know who's getting the money uh sometimes you know if the band is putting those together you i feel like they have to okay it with the promoter because the promoter sometimes, and this is kind of herky-jerky, because sometimes the promoter feels like that's money out of their pocket, right? Mm, it's like, well, yeah, the bands, yeah. you know, people are buying tickets and, you know, you're getting your percentage of the, you're, you're getting your cut and we're getting our flat fee, uh, you know, unless it's a versus thing. Um, and then, you know, for us to make, you know, some extra money, we, we're going to set up our own meet and greets, right? And sometimes, back in the day, I think the, the record label would do that for the band. And I don't think the meet and greet had anything to do with, with money at all. I think it was something yeah. they did with the local radio stations. Local record no, store. Yeah, and no one was making money. It was more or less 
the label sending uh, pulp, you know, pr promotional materials to that record store or that chain of record stores to promote an in-store while you're on tour. And every stop you would do a little, you know, a little record store meet and greet. And sometimes those would turn into these, you know, 200 people in line, you know, where everyone who's at your meet and greet is at your show and they're excited as hell to do it. And a lot of that in, in a good way that, you know, the quickie description that I just gave where it wasn't really the band or the promoter doing it, where it was the label setting it up and there was really no money exchanged that helped sell records because if people didn't have your record yet, but they saw your video or something like that, or they already had the record or whatever the situation is, it's a win-win. The radio station wins because they get more fans. They get to see fans react. They get to, you know, give everybody a bumper sticker with the radio station tagline on it. They get to, and, and the record store sells more records because people will shop. And the, the chances there. are like 110% that someone is going to buy your record to go get in line with the record they just bought at that record store to get it signed. Yeah. Yeah. I, That's you know, I remember, I remember the days when the in stores were, you know, they were free and it was a really cool thing. And, uh, <clears throat> and you could, uh, you could show up and you weren't like nowadays, uh, not only do you pay for a lot of this stuff, but you, in some cases you actually have to, they'll only, the, the artist will only sign whatever they're promoting. So it's the latest album or whatever. You can't bring your vintage 1976 copy of something on vinyl. Uh, you could probably get away with it, you know, here and there, but the, the rule is supposedly in some cases that you you only get an autograph on whatever it is that the artist is promoting, and um, I, I've always thought that was I don't know kind of lame. I'm speaking entirely as a fan, you know, and I, I need to preface this by saying I, I totally understand the artist's position in all this. Uh, nobody's buying albums anymore the way they used to, so this is a new uh, income stream for the bands and the artists. I totally understand that. But uh, speaking selfishly as a fan, as someone who used to hang out at venues at four o'clock in the afternoon, hoping to catch somebody at soundcheck, <laughs> uh, you know, it was a badge of honor before, you know, when you actually got an autograph or got a photo with somebody out in the parking lot of a venue because you were persistent and you knew how to play the game and, and whatnot. And it seems like now, you know, if, if your wallet's fat enough, you can get, you know, a, a photo and an autograph and it doesn't really have, it doesn't say much necessarily about your, your, your loyalty to the band or whatever. It's, it's, a, it says that you had enough money to spend. So, right. Well, I, I think that back to what you're talking about, you're, you're like the lot lizard hanging around the bus or the, you know, even the hotel trying to spot a rock star <laughs> and you have a, a stack of records you want them to sign and you're, you know, to me, you're not necessarily bothering anyone. You're just waiting to get a glimpse and maybe ask the question, do you mind signing a couple of things for me? I'm just, I've been out here for hours and I know you're in a hurry. I, yeah. I, I don't pick up any of your time other than sign the, the couple of records for me. I already have a ticket. I'm not trying to get on the list. La la right. la. That whole story. There's some, that is a badge of honor and that is very cool. And it was always great to see people like that in my experiences, especially when I'm one of the people hanging out, trying to get a glimpse of, of, uh, someone, I, I love their music and I, you know, I just want to, it's not even really about, I never had a camera on me, you know, it was really about getting a record signed or something, right. Show poster for that evening, whatever. Um, yeah. but that's a lot different and that's more like a warrior than it is, uh, paying to, you know, hey, look at me, you know, kind of thing, which is what it's kind of turned into a Cadillac cowboy uh, situation. I I feel like, um, you know, what I just was talking about is also related to pre-internet when you were reading Circus or Cream, 
magazine or just even saw an ad in the local newspaper for a release date of your favorite band's new record coming out, you would go to that record store and stand in line before the sun came up to be the first person to buy that record because that's how much you care about the music and the band and you love that. Now, some people today, like young kids who consider themselves to be rock warriors today, they're probably laughing at guys like us, you know, the old, uh, old dudes, man, my parents used to stand in line to buy a record. That's dumb. You know, when all <laughs> they have to do is pick up their phone with one eye open and press a button and they're downloading the new record. And that's, yeah. that's pretty weak as far as your status of rock warrior in my eyes. Um, yeah. But back to, back to, you know, paid meet and greet, or just the idea of, you know, you are, you bought a ticket, you can buy a package, right? There's a package deal. Okay, you can buy a ticket to the show. That's package one. Package two would be you can buy a ticket to the show and get a T-shirt. That's package two. Well, package three, you get a ticket, you get a T-shirt, and you get a, a photo op with, you know, go to the sound check. But, I mean, it's like you're talking to, uh, going from 20 bucks to, like, 500 bucks in 10 seconds flat. Right. And you're going to the photo to... features and the photo features you leaning over a table with the artist on the other side of it. <laughs> it's not exactly, you know, arm in arm in the parking lot of the venue. It's very, I don't know. I've seen some of them where there, there's still a certain amount of distance. It's still very artificial and a very assembly line, you know, uh, as you described i like the much more the candid stuff where you just bump into somebody in a parking lot and they're like you know cool with you being there because as you said earlier you're not there to pester them you're not there to take up a lot of time you're obviously there for a reason hopefully they appreciate that that you're there at four o'clock in the afternoon you know but anyway i didn't mean to interrupt because you were talking about the packages that the packages go from x amount of dollars and they quickly quickly escalate depending on you know what you add to that bundle yeah and everybody knows that you know and they use these photos for their christmas cards if you pay the right price you can literally (laughs) stand there amidst the members of kiss and that's your christmas card for probably at least the next two years because it's a proud (laughs) moment and you know ding ding you paid for it there it is yeah um and everybody you know i'm not mad at gene simmons for being a uh, merchandising genius but you know i'd probably even go as far as to give him credit of thinking you know what if people paid as a ticket package to just come back here for a minute and you can you you guys mind standing in line when our makeup is real fresh and you know make some extra dollars on the dole you know and i think that that's a new thing is born but yeah. i feel like that's different than the in-store that's not the same thing as an in-store i think that the in-store is way more organic yeah all everybody's in a line um you know i i've done in-stores uh not to make this topic be about me but just for a second i've done in-stores with with my bands where, you know, there'll be a lot of people and you're there for hours signing stuff. Well, when it's all done, the, the, the people that are still there, we hang out with them. We're just hanging yeah. out. And yeah. because they deserve real time with yeah. someone that they, you know, took the day off of work just so they could come hang out. And right. there's something very real about that. Um, yeah. And, and when that happens, that's great. You know, just, and, and, you know, I've, I've stood in line at the sizzler behind people and go, this is the guitar player for accept standing right in front of me. I'm going to tap on his shoulder. Wait, should I tap on his shoulder? I'm going to tap on his shoulder. (laughs) And I did tap on his shoulder. And yeah. uh, you know, uh, this is this is from our producer. Um, something about CCR. Jared worked for CCR, and uh, 
never they never charge for meet and greets. Uh, he he says he asked uh, one of their managers about about who's done, oh Richard Luckett is the guy's name who's done paid meet and greet. His response was absolutely not. That's from someone who has done hundreds of meet and greets. So doesn't agree with it. Um, yeah. Paid, not paid. Let's get back on subject. I want to talk about the the literal like paid meet and greet and the dirty side of that because I feel like as a fan, when I hear that one of my idols is charging this astronomical, or just my opinion, whatever it is, I mean, a lot of money to me may not be a lot of money to you. See what I'm saying? So let's don't even put a dollar amount on it. I guess it depends right. on who it is. But I've I've heard of them where this person is sitting on their tour bus and the tour managers letting people come on the bus for five minutes to get a photo and say, great show sign one thing and they're off for this kind of a lot of money. And, yeah. and they, if they have to do it after the show, some people get turned away because, well, the bus has to leave. We're leaving now. Or if they do yeah. it earlier in the day, well, we're, we're not done sound checking, so we can't do it on time. It's, yeah. It just sounds like a fucking mess to me. So I want it to be a great experience for me as a fan if right. I'm going to pay that much. And I feel uh, it, what, what your idea of a great experience would be. Um, now, I was making a point earlier about is it the promoter setting up this meet and greet, this paid meet and greet as they sell tickets? You know, you can buy this many tickets. You can buy this ticket that has a uh, – you can sit on the upper deck above the stage or you can – buy the ticket, sit on the upper deck and meet the band and take a photo and watch the sound check. Yeah. Now, sounds like a dream come true to a fan who's got money to burn. Uh, right. And bless their hearts for that. That's great that they can do that. But is yeah. it the band setting that up that's making the money or is it the promoter? I want to just ask you, how would you feel if you were in a band and you found out just the day before your show as you were arriving or something that the promoter had done this and the promoter was using the extra money that they had sold a ticket option for a meet and greet hangout the sound check? And the band's in there sound checking, and there's all these people watching you sound check, and the band's freaking out, going, Why are all these people in here watching a sound check? If the promoter, yeah. oops, I got to tell you, I sold a package deal, and these people are going to take a photo with you and eat dinner with you. And well, man, I'm, I've got diarrhea. Yeah. <laughs> what if I don't want to be around? I can't be around people right now. Right. I've got to go to bed for a couple hours so I can do the show. You know, you do, you're not checking with me. See, see, I'm just creating a scenario. Yeah. You have to jump through these hoops. The band has to jump through said hoops and, and uh, sort of ill-prepared, right? Um, yeah. That's terrible. And, you, and the band is not even going to make any make extra money. Here, here's the deal. The promoter is using that extra money to pay the band, to pay you. Right. It's work. You know, yeah. it's not work to meet your fans. But it is, you know, what if there's, it's situational, right? Yeah. I, I've i always, you know, again, as a fan, um, I, I, it's a it's a fine line and I totally understand it. And I, and I understand it from both sides of the, of the, of the situation. Um, it is a, a valid income stream in a day and age when people aren't buying albums and CDs like they used to. I understand that. Um, but me as a fan, I, I always enjoyed, uh, you know, if I was able to hold up an album that somebody signed and, and, and tell somebody that, you know, I bumped into so-and-so in the parking lot because I knew how to play the game and I knew how to show up early and I knew how to approach these people and I got this autograph. And that was really, really cool. And you have the story that goes along with it. Whereas now you pay a certain amount of money. You're, it's a cattle call. You're one of, you know, 200 people in line. You spend five seconds. It's just like an assembly line. They're scratching out the autograph. Take a quick photo. But it's not, it's not personal. You don't really get any, 
you know, quote unquote, hang time, not that you're having lunch with these people, but, uh, you know, a little bit of, Hey, what you, you know, what's up? How are you doing? What's your name? You know, thanks for coming, this sort of thing. Or you, you hand them something they haven't, you know, you know, an old album like, well, this was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Or a poster that they haven't seen since, you know, 20 years ago. And they're like, wow, where'd you get this? You know? And then you have a little bit of a conversation about it. And it's sort of this personal interaction that you get um, that I think is lost today. I think they just heard you through like cattle and you walk away with your trophy, I suppose. But to me, the trophy is only half of it. To me, the the story behind getting it was part of the whole experience, you know. Yeah. And I was going to ask you, you know, we're talking about this and, you know, some of the meet and greet packages, I guess you could say, are, are reasonable in terms of what they cost. But some of them, I mean, like to spend 30 seconds with Gene Simmons or something is, you know, upwards of $500 or something like this. Where, where do you draw the line? What do you think is, you know, when when are you just gouging people? And when is it, you know, I guess the, you know, the age, the, the adage is it's only worth what people will pay for it. So if people are willing to pay for it, you know, I guess you'll charge them for it. But to me, some of it seems to be a little extravagant. I don't know. Where do you draw the line? I, I, you know, I, I think that if it's a planned thing, um, and the band set it up or, you know, I mean, what would you think about the band had some family in a town they were playing in and invited their family out to sound check and it was just going to be kind of a private moment. And then all of a sudden these, you know, the promoter strings in, you know, a hundred people who, who paid stupid money for a ticket package to get to come in and have dinner with the band. And you're over there with grandma that but are you obligated as an as an artist? Are you obligated to to honor that if you, it was done behind your back well, and you had you, no expectation you, of this? Well, yeah, you. It, it, where do you draw the line? You feel someone's going to feel bad. The promoter's going to get mad if you say, "I wasn't aware of this. I'm having a family day, and I was hoping yeah. for a private moment, so we have to leave and go have dinner somewhere else. We can't even sit yeah. in the catering area, you know." Um, or you, or your family is gracious and they go, no, nah, do your thing. It's cool. And I've been, I personally have been in both of those situations where it's a pain in my ass. Someone has created, or it's depends on what light is on, you know, it just depends uh, situational, but yeah. you know, it's like, uh, you know, rockers, uh, who are on tour, who, uh, have a stature of any kind they have bad days too, you know, sure. and, and yeah. sometimes you got to suck it up and turn, turn your uh, frown into a, a smile and go to work, but it turns into yeah. work. It shouldn't feel like work. It yeah. really shouldn't feel like that. You know, doesn't matter who you are. You're, you know, if you play music and people love your music, you, you, you try to, you try to be there for them as much as you can to an extent. Right. Sure. And sure. most real fans understand. They understand when you're when you're not doing so hot. Sometimes if you if you look a little peaked and tired from the road, your fans can tell. And they're like, yeah. hey, you look like you're tired, you know, but thanks for signing my stuff and hanging out. You know, that's a that's a, a that's a relationship between a fan and and someone they adore who has to take a nap before they hit the stage, you know, right. It's a, it's a real, always... a lot of people are not thinking like that. So when you're, you know, let's don't get off the subject of opinions of paid meet and greets, but I just wanted to put a little bit of reality on it yeah. as much as, you know, the guy, you know, I paid a lot of money for this and I only spent 10 minutes with Gene Simmons. What, what the hell, you know, to make it, you know, someone better make that right. You know, 10 minutes. That's, that's nine more than you paid for. <laughs> well, see what I'm saying? I mean, I don't even know because I can't afford to hang out with kiss. So, yeah. And, and, and I should, maybe I should say, I, I've never done the paid meet and greet thing. Um, right. uh, but um, I also, you know, I was also 
hanging around venues and stuff before paid meet and greets were a thing. And you talk about the artists having a bad day and are uh, not necessarily wanting to spend the time. And I totally get that. And my whole thing used to always be if I if I bumped into somebody, I'd keep it quick. And I would even I would even say, hey, I don't, I don't want to keep you. I know you're busy. I know you got sound check or whatever. And if that person then said, oh, it's cool, man, you know, we're, we got some time or whatever, then, OK, great. But I have always left the door open for you to escape, you know, <laughs> and if I catch you and it's an unplanned thing, you know, at, at, at a sound check or after the show late at night or whatever, um, I, I feel like, you know, you're not infringing upon the person as much as like a 45 minute commitment where you got to go sit at this table and meet, you know, meet a line of people. It's very spontaneous and you can you can choose to spend, you know, two minutes with this person or not. And uh, if you do, it's not that painful. I don't think I've never been on the other end of that, of course, you know. Oh, yeah. But I've always tried to be I've always tried to be respectful of of the person's time. And, and like you said, uh, understand the fact that, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are just people. What if they're having a bad day? What if they had a fight with their girlfriend? What if they're sick? What you know, what if the band is arguing or whatever? I get it. I totally yeah, get it. That's that's the point that I was. And that's really the only point that I was trying to make uh, as far as that but it but it does turn into work and if the band play, if it's if it's the band putting together these paid meet and greets and it is the band that is making the money and if it is uh you know um you know something that you stand to make a lot of money doing where it's going to be like 100 people or something crazy yeah you better take some emodium you better yeah you better take your vitamins and, uh, and stand up straight, even though you feel yeah. terrible. And that's when you have to go, go hardcore. Uh, yeah. And that, you that signed be, up for it. Basically. That's right. But that's right. that could yeah. be disastrous if you're not feeling good. I mean, you know, uh, not to dog on kiss, but I feel like, you know, you can't take uh, your, your Christmas, uh, card photo with three members of kiss. Everyone's gonna yeah. say, Where, "Where's Gene?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that doesn't work. How much did you pay Gene? for this? <laughs> right, no Gene, you're screwed, bro. You're screwed. You better better give a call to Gene. Figure it out. Yeah, our you know our producer Jared brought up an interesting point uh, in a previous conversation on this topic where. Uh, we now live in a day and age also where people will show up to these meet and greets with a stack of 10 albums and their intention is to get the autographs and then turn around and sell the things on eBay. And uh, I, I, I feel I just think that's shameful. You know, uh, I you know, I've always in fact, I've almost I insist on it whenever I uh, meet somebody and they're willing to sign my album. I tell them to personalize it. I say, sign it to Dave, because to me, having it personalized is more valuable than just having the signature. It's 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 personalized to me. And to me, that's that's more awesome than just having the signature, which is fine, too. But uh, that is sort of, you know my insurance policy to them that this thing is not leaving my house. It's a treasured memento, memento that I'm going to keep and be proud of and, and be happy to have. Um, so yeah, it's kind of like there's almost a little cottage industry where it's like, get as many autographs as you can and then turn around and sell it on eBay and profit off it, which I think is disgusting, you know, but I, I understand the artists being leery of that sort of situation. Um, well, at this point, at this point, I feel like I want to jump in and say uh, stuff like this. It's like people still do that? Question mark. You know, people <laughs> still do that. You know, I mean, that's kind of a known no no uh, nowadays. And if you're an artist who's stuck signing, you know. 15 of the same item you're you're yeah. you're falling into the whatever trap. it is you know or, yeah. or what if you're a uh what if you're a, a chain store and or a guy who says they work for a chain store and you're sent a hundred posters and you sign a hundred posters and then two weeks later you see them up on ebay for going for a hundred bucks 
Yeah. If that's cool, that's dirty. So I, I just, I feel like the whole idea of monetizing something that didn't used to be monetized, something that used to be very unique and special and personal, um, is kind of a drag, but I, you know, in the same breath, I'll say, I do understand it. If I was, you know, if I was in a band that was playing arenas or even clubs, you know, whatever. Um, and as long as I agreed to the meet and greet, it wasn't a surprise that was sprung on me by the promoter or whatever. I mean, I understand it's a, it's a source of income and I would be probably quote unquote guilty of participating in that because nobody's buying my albums the way they used to. And this is where I make up for that lost revenue. So I get it. I get it. But um, as a fan, um, I I hate the lack of uh, interaction and the personal moment that, that used to exist when, when you were sort of rewarded for hanging out in the parking lot till 2 a.m. or showing up at 4, a, or 4 p.m. for sound check or whatever, you know. Because yeah, that to me to... tells that to me tells the artist that you are dedicated and you're loyal and you're probably worth two minutes of my time. And I think that's really cool. Oh yeah. Well trying but to get course... uh, hanging around all day, trying to just get a glimpse of uh I'll just say it, of a rock star, you know. Yeah. Uh, trying to trying to even some people are are uh uh, not, not really myself. Uh, but, but I, I, you know, I know of, uh, people who will linger around a, a, a grouping of tour buses just to say, who's on that bus? Who, yeah. Who is that? You know? Uh, yeah. and that's kind of a thing too, but, but that's a, that's a whole other sort of creepy, uh, sort of like question. Why do they want to know so bad? You know, are they, are they, are they a fan? Or are they just going to, be a fair weathered fan uh, you know if it's somebody i don't i don't really care about am i still going to harbor them for an autograph so i can sell it on ebay or you know is it is it worth the time it's just it can get ugly fast uh as far yeah. as like vultures out there and kind of what we're talking about um you know while you during this this uh this this topical conversation we're having here um I can't help but think, especially when we when we talk about um, the you know camping out for tickets and camping out for the new record, and to be one of the very first people in your town to own the new record because you were a fan and you loved this band because they're helping you through your teenage years or whatever it is, or uh, you know it's a it's a religious experience whenever their songs fill the air, you know, kind of a thing. And you feel like it. You've you've won the lottery if you are able to. You know, you're running out of the record store like a, like Christmas morning, and it's summertime, and you have the new yeah. Riot album or the new. Uh, it could be it could be anything. The the new. Yeah. I don't. If you're a, a John Denver fan, I got the new John Denver. It doesn't matter. <laughs> it doesn't matter right. what kind of music it is. I I just think that there is something really cool about someone who is, you know, you could say obsessed with music, obsessed with art and uh, just somebody creating something that is intellectual property that they are sharing with the world. They're not yeah. necessarily doing that so they can be a rich rock star. Some of them become rich rock stars, but the fact that it's a give and take and they're feeding off of you as much as they're, yeah, it's, it's a, it's a simpatico. It's a whole uh, yeah. we're in this together, and um, I think artist and fan don't exist without each other. I also start to get uh, that's a little bit of a, a sentiment there that I wanted to add, but I also have this nasty feeling that's in my soul uh, that the internet kills kills that and killed. Yeah has killed all of that just as much as here we are on the internet trying to keep it alive. So the internet's keeping <laughs> rock and roll alive just as much as the internet freaking killed it. Um, right. This is the new way. Um, you know, I, I, I went into this new way kicking and screaming and I'm still kind of kicking and screaming. I'm just trying to get it on tape. Uh, 
<laughs> and make songs out of it. Uh, yeah. What happy, what makes me sad, what makes me angry, because, yeah. Uh, but, you know, I do think that this topic is uh, worthy of conversation from people who care about music. Right. Um, and I think you touched on a you touched on a valid point. It, back in the day, uh, again, it was a sign of your loyalty. If you were the first kid on your block to to have gone to the record store and bought the new album on the day it was released, because now you can do that on your phone. Right. Um, so it kind of goes back to the whole organic thing and, and the whole uh, sense of loyalty and commitment to the band and 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 your 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 status as a fan, if you were willing to, you know, go through the trouble because, and it wasn't trouble. You just had to do it. You absolutely had to have that record the day it came out and you had to go to sound check and hope you ran into somebody. You so make the whole, plans though. You make plans for that. You plan. Yeah. Your whole yeah. And that, I think that's at the heart of this conversation. The whole paid meet and greet to me seems to, uh, is not that it, it's it's uh it's okay i'm going to the show i'm gonna pay a few extra dollars a lot of extra dollars in some cases so i can you know get the the moment with the band or get the autograph or whatever whereas before you kind of had to work at it you kind of had to know what's up and how to play the game and how to approach people and um and i think that was much more personal and much more rewarding at least for me as a fan I always, you know, was able to hold up these autographed albums or the or, or the photograph with somebody as a badge of honor and say, look, I got this. I did this because I persevered and I went after it. And the person was gracious enough to to honor my presence. And, you know, so now I've got this. You don't pay for that. You know, I mean, that was a that was a very personal, awesome moment that I got through my own persistence and the graciousness, of course, of the, of the person on the other end. But, um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I understand it from both sides of the coin, but, uh, from my own selfish perspective as a fan, I, I feel like it's kind of diluted the, uh, the moment, the magic, you know, so, some of that personal connection, uh, that you might've been lucky to get if you, uh, knew how to go about it. So anyway, uh, Let's move on. Shot of rock and roll. I've got one for you. Um, okay. You guys, your band, uh, Broken Teeth, was scheduled to play some Texas dates with Rose Tattoo. Um, and then, of course, the pandemic came through and, and, and postponed everything and rescheduled everything. And I, I think we've, uh, we're now on the second postponement of those dates. Uh, but it brought to mind, uh, I wanted to ask you, you have some connection with Rose Tattoo and Angry Anderson or tell, tell us a little bit about that. I, I, I seem to remember I, you telling me. I have a couple of like fan stories. I don't, wouldn't say I have any connection to Angry or Rose Tattoo, but I like the way you think. Well, you, you you made it sound <laughs> like a shining moment. I wish were true, more true maybe than than I'm giving myself credit for. Um, you know the the dates that were that they were going to do the uh, the U.S. dates. They had New York and Los Angeles, and they had a few. They had a handful of dates in between. None of those are happening because of COVID. Uh, the, the gentleman, uh, that we would call, uh, the group Rose Tattoo, um, they have to fly a long way. Uh, they are elder statesmen. They are high yeah. risk. Um, yeah. they are not, uh, they're, they're smarter, uh, than the band who, feels like they, you know, might need to be a hero and go out and do a tour right now and probably lose their ass. I uh, don't think promoters, not all promoters would be, you know, dumb enough to take on um, a still yet kind of underground band uh, during a pandemic where those venues can only be half capacity at best. Yeah. I think, <clears throat> I think, um, 
it is a huge bummer and one thing that COVID has killed that I was very much looking forward to just as a as a rose tattoo fan. Um when I had my first computer, which was probably ninety-three, um, I was chatting with some rock fans, um, just people, just random people uh in Australia. And uh, I would be telling them, you know, how big of a fan I was of Rose Tattoo. And, um, um, you know, there's like, oh, yeah, I, I bump into Angry sometimes down at the whatever, you know, or, you know, they told me that he wrote for uh, he's doing some journalistic work for uh, at, back then it was called A Current Affair. And yeah. that used to be a TV show as as well as probably a paper. But in Australia, a current affair. And I don't know if he was just writing articles for uh, a website, a new website they had, or if it was a, a a newspaper release version. I don't know. But it was called A Current Affair, which is in America, that was a TV show with Maury Povich. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, uh, and the guy had the address that went Beeline to Angry's P.O. box at a current affair. And yeah. I wrote Angry a letter. Uh, you know, I have the logo tattooed on my body. I I, I love the you know the first few records. Uh, it was just a you know You're a, a fan, you're hardcore. Bloody, yeah, it was just a blood a blood brother letter, right? Going, oh my God, and, you know, I told mentioned the toys and the influence that they had as a as one of those cool underground rock bands. Yeah. That I used to read about all the time in Kerrang magazine in high school. And that would have yeah. been 81, 82, right? And that's yeah. when those first couple records came out, Rock and Roll Outlaw and uh, assault and battery, uh, assault yeah. and battery, and scarred for life would have been their third, which they ended up in uh, in '83. Actually, uh, toured the U.S. with Aerosmith, uh, among others, yeah. uh, on yeah. the scarred for life tour. So the the deal with that is, is um, I never thought I'd ever hear back from him. Yeah. Few week, few weeks later, I'm just going out to get the mail, and I get the mail, and there's this package from Australia, and I'm looking, and I'm going, I didn't, what is this? I don't know what this, what, what could it be? And I open it up, and there's no letter inside, but it's Angry's autobiography, just called Angry, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm literally jumping up and down in the middle of the street, holding this <laughs> book, just because I wrote a, a simple. One page, basically a fan letter to Angry yeah. Anderson from Rose Tattoo. So I take out the book and I turn the leaf over, the first leaf, and it says, To Jason, rock on, Angry Anderson. Nice. Or, or you know, something like that. Because the, the deal is, is years and years, and I was so excited, so cool of him, and all I did yeah. was write a letter. That's all I did was yeah. write a letter. That's better than any meet and greet anyone's ever paid for their entire life combined 25,000 times. Yeah. I, I, I wrote, I licked a stamp and I got, yeah. a guy sent me his book that it probably sells for back then probably sold for 30 bucks. Okay. Yeah. So fast forward to recent years. That was in the nineties. Okay. It's 2021 right now. I had lent that book out to obviously a, a friend that I, I don't remember who I lent it out to, and I never got the book back. I'm not mad at the friend I lent it out to, uh, but but I never got the book back. But I you're kind of mad. I don't, I'm <laughs> mad at myself. I'm not mad at anyone because, I'm dude, I don't even remember who I lent the freaking book out to. That's why yeah. I'm mad. Because yeah. but I'm reaching out to everyone I know, dude. Did I lend you that book? No, I, no, never got it. You lent me your Celtic Frost, your your you know, into the Pandemonium Celtic Frost book, and I but I've given and I have that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, for the record, I don't have your angry. I, thank Anderson, you, Dave. But... I appreciate you very much. <laughs> anyway, I never got the book back, and I start. I go online. And I start crying about it a little bit, and I, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but. Uh, <laughs> 
But a, a friend of mine in Germany, uh, Jürgen, he he knows to rose tattoo guys, and he had a, a live CD signed by Angry and sent to me with some other stuff, and he sent me some shirts from their tour merchandise, uh, dug into their tour merchandise, and I got some cool stuff just because they read that heartfelt story about me crying about lending my goddamn book out to someone and never getting it back because it literally said to Jason. So yeah. if it's their library and they open it up and it says to Jason, yeah, they're they're going to hell. If there's a hell, <laughs> they're going to it. Uh, especially if they said, "No, nah, man, I sent that back." You know. Anyway, yeah. yeah. Fast forward yeah. to I went on eBay and I bought that book. I found the book. I found kind of a sort of a beginning to rot copy of Angry's book that I used to have because I needed to have it. And I paid a, too too much money for it just because I wanted to have it in my collection because I'm a fan. And that's my Rose Tattoo story. It's a bummer that, that you know, my band that's totally influenced by Rose Tattoo can't be on the bill with them, which was supposed to happen actually in a couple of weeks from now originally. is not going to yeah. happen because of the pandemic. And they're just trying to be safe. That's all. They're just trying yeah, to be yeah. safe. I have a shot of rock for you. Yeah. So for as long as I've known you, people have been calling you Metal Dave. You know, and I've had friends like my high school yearbook, you know, I've had friends at Metal Metal Mike, you know. I have a friend, they just his friends called him Metal Mike because he was obsessed like uh, obsessed like me with with heavy metal and rock and roll and stuff, and they always just called him Metal Mike. And 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 I've known other Mikes or Michaels that have been called Metal Mike as well. You're the first Metal Dave I've ever heard, but see, Metal Jason doesn't work. Metal <laughs> doesn't sound. See what I mean? But I Too know many if, I had, if I would have been a Dave or a Mike, they probably would have called me Metal Mike or Metal Dave too. But. <laughs> What the, the funny thing is, is you're really like a punk rock guy and a rock and roll guy and a kiss freak and a Ramones freak. And, a, and, and when you think metal, none of the bands that I when I think about you as as Metal Dave, when I, when I think <laughs> of David Glessner, I don't really think of you being I mean, sure, you, you like metal, but yeah. like you it's more of a life thing for you and not necessarily just you know, Metallica, you know, the big four on top of, you know, Celtic Frost and, you know, real metal, you know, have the entire death catalog or anything like that. It's more, <laughs> you're into Hanoi Rocks and the Rolling Stones and, you know, the Dragons yeah. and Danko Jones yeah. and you're a rock and roll guy. So yeah. tell me and everyone else listening who has a friend like you, who's a metal Mike or a metal Dave, how you personally metal... <laughs> Metal Dave, David Glessner, got the name Metal Dave. Being with yeah. the factoids I already spilled. It, it, it is, honestly, it is a bit of a misnomer uh, for all the reasons you just stated. Uh, obviously, I'm a metal fan, you know, yeah. Iron Maiden, Judas Priest, Metallica, the big four, Slayer, and all that stuff. Um, <clears throat> but you're right. I am not, uh, I am definitely more of a hard rock, hair metal, punk rock sleaze rock kind of guy uh but the name uh it's you know as as most people you know a nickname is something that you kind of inherit you know <laughs> and so when i moved to austin in 1995 i started going out to all the rock and roll clubs and uh, i went to go see a band uh called Sons of Hercules. They're from San Antonio, which is my hometown, and I was friends with the guys. So I just moved to Austin. The Sons of Hercules were playing in Austin, and I was like, great, I'm going to go see my buddies, have a good time. I walked in, and the opening band was a local band called The Contradicts, and I loved them. And because they were local, I started following them around and showing up at their gigs. And one day... Uh, Houston Richardson is the front man, a friend of ours, and the drummer is a guy named Bobby Fuentes. Uh, they came up to me at uh, Flamingo Cantina one night and said, dude, we can't help but notice you're showing up at all of our shows. Who are you? What's your deal? You know, and at the time I had like super long, like Iron Maiden hair, you know, yeah, you had, you had hippie hair, dude. You were, a cousin yeah, it, bro. I remember. Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. 
Well, they're like, who's this guy that keeps showing up at our gigs because he doesn't look like a punk rocker. He's the metal dude. He keeps showing up at all of our shows. And so we became friends, and they were like, yeah, you need to come over to our house and hang out sometimes. And so we got to be friends as opposed to just, you know, acquaintances at the gigs, you know. And uh, they started calling me Metal Dave. And it was their way of just cutting to the chase because everybody in the punk rock scene back then had a nickname because there was always another Dave or another Mike or another Tom or something. So the way you cut to the chase was tag them with a nickname, right? So because of my long hair and the fact that, you know, once we became friendly, we were hanging out. And of course, they started to realize I'm into Iron Maiden and Judas Priest and Motley Crue and ACDC. And and they're more, they're kind of into that, but they're more into, you know, Rancid and No Effects and uh, yeah. The Clash and Cox Bar and stuff like this. So I became Metal Dave and uh, it just stuck. And uh, it's to this day, people, some people don't even know my last name. They just think it's first name Metal, last name Dave. Right. <laughs> well, it shows up like that. It shows yeah, up like yeah. that more than, than not. Yeah, well, I the think crazy. Go ahead. The crazy thing is when I've been I've been out of town at times and people will come up to me. I was in Los Angeles one time and at eating pizza at the Rainbow and this guy comes up to me and you'll know this guy, uh, Bones Elias. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played. He's a drummer. He spent mm-hmm. some time playing with Patrick Kinnison and uh, oh yeah. Uh, he comes up to me at the Rainbow in L.A. and he goes, "Aren't you Metal Dave?" And I'm like. I'm in L.A. Who in L.A. knows that I'm Metal Dave? And it turned out that he's from San Antonio, so he was aware of me. And then once we started talking, I realized, oh, yeah, I know you, too. But, yeah, it's one of those nicknames that stuck, thanks to all the punk rockers in Austin, Texas, and has kind of followed me around the world. And, you know, it's cool, whatever. I like it, you know. But, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things I inherited, and it never went away, so... Yeah, Bones. Bones's name is not Bones. Yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there you yeah. go. There's it, another nickname, right? Because right. <laughs> he's a he's a I think I and uh you know he's a real skinny tall guy, so I could see where that where he would be called Bones. Um, he's from the Valley. He's from Texas. He's he's from South Texas, and that's where I officially yeah. him. He's a, he's a sweetheart of a guy. I'm glad that you guys met. Um, yeah. This has uh, this has been another really fun show. Uh, yeah, I love the Always topic. Played. It's very very controversial topic, um, and uh, I think that our shots of rock were decent as well. Dave, you want to yeah. take it out? Yeah, uh, enjoyed it. Thanks uh, for joining me again today, Jason. Thanks for everyone who's listening and watching. Uh, on behalf of Jason McMaster and myself. Uh, We'll catch you next time on another episode of Talk Louder. Thanks. 